Welcome to Parent Driven Development, Episode 4. My name is Chris Sexton, and I'm here with my friend, JC. Hi, I'm JC, and I am here with my friend, Allison. Hi, I am Allison McMillan, and today we're here with Dave Buck, who is talking to us about multiples. So Dave has been a software engineer since 1991 with several forays into management, ran a small consulting firm with a couple of friends for about eight years. He's currently the DevOps service area lead at Excella Consulting, a father of 10-year-old triplet boys, and the director of the nonprofit Loudon Codes. He helps organize Ruby Nation and DevOps DC days, uh, and also co-organizes a handful of meetups in the Northern Virginia area. Welcome, Dave. Uh, glad to be here. So, ten-year-old triplet boys. Let's start. <laughs> let's start there. Let's. <laughs> yeah, that's where most of my stories start these days. Yeah. So uh, they were born two thousand seven, and we knew early on we were going to have uh, triplets. We we um, did IVF, so. We weren't trying for multiples. Uh, we uh, were trying just for one, um, but ended up with three and knew pretty early on we were going to have them. How much of a shock to the system was that? Or were you kind of thinking, well, there's likelihood that we could have more than one? Uh, normally, the way IVF works is you have a choice of doing uh, um, implanting two embryos that are uh, three days or five days old or three three-day-old. And the statistics are about the same either way. We had tried the two five-day-old embryos, and that didn't take. So when we did the three three-day-old embryos, I remember being in the doctor's office, and they said, well, there's a 48% chance of any pregnancy, a 12% chance of twins, and a uh, 2% chance of triplets. And, you know, I equated that to, like, poker hands of, like, uh, you know, okay, I'm drawing to the inside straight, blah, blah, blah. And uh, really, triplets were not even on our horizon after having one failure. We were like, any pregnancy would we'd be happy with. Then at the, uh, I guess it was like the one month checkup, we were in having an ultrasound and uh, I was watching the nurse who was fishing around trying to find the implanted embryos and I could see that she's bouncing between several spots and I knew there were several, several had taken. And so for a couple of minutes before the doctor said anything, I had my suspicions that we were going to have more than one. And uh, sure enough, the doctor came over and said, well, uh, this doesn't mean you're going to have triplets, but right now we have uh, all three have implanted. And so we knew very early on we were uh, wow. you know, four weeks into the pregnancy knowing that we were pregnant with multiples. Wow. I used to joke with my wife that we should just start with uh, triplets because we would debate between having – do we want to have two kids or three kids? And um, we came from each family that, that did each. And we're like, well, if we just had triplets, we'll be done. Like it answers all the questions and you get their diapers and then you're done. Yeah. You know, we had always said we wanted three. We just didn't expect it to be all at once. And uh, <laughs> it has its pluses and its minuses. I mean, when they were born, it was uh, an amazing, frustrating in various ways, but just a lot of work. But we didn't really know any better. You know, it was just always three, always three of everything. Diapers, bottles in line, even when they started <laughs> sleeping through the night individually, we were constantly up because somebody would be up for some reason. You know, we didn't know any better. People with, with one, I, I, I kind of wonder what that would be like. Now that they've gotten older, it's actually gotten a lot easier because they help each other with homework, even though they're in different classes. They have largely the same subjects. They uh, play games together. You know, I was seven years younger than my brother, so we never really had anything in common. So with, with three the same age, it's always like having a, a built-in playmate nearby. When you first went back to work and how juggling all of that worked with having three 
human beings that uh, needed well, all full-time attention. <laughs> yeah, the story even starts earlier than that. So we were one month pregnant around Thanksgiving that year. So it was uh, um, November 2006. And um, in January 2007, I left my employer to start my own consulting company with two friends. So we were about three months pregnant, and I left you know, a secure job of 11 years with a decent salary to go out on my own. And it was uh, a bit crazy. But on the other hand, I had always thought I was going to start my own company someday and thought if I don't do it now, I'm never going to get a chance to do it. My two friends and I had learned Rails early on. We, uh, I was involved in a conference tour in 2005 and uh, lear- learned Rails from Dave Thomas on that tour over that summer. In the spring, summer of 2006, the three of us helped the Pragmatic Studio put on the first um, Rails training course in Reston. And so the three of us had learned Rails. That fall, we had done a freelance project and had a decent sum of money in our pockets. And there was more Rails work out there in 2007. You could drop a stone in a pond and three people would come out of the woodwork to ask if you uh, if you knew Rails. So there was plenty of work out there for us. So we started our own company. And I worked more than full-time on that company for various projects and various things I was doing, making, you know, pocketing decent money. My wife kept her job, so we had benefits through that. And uh, in June, when the kids were born, we both took off. So I took several months off from work at the time, you know, as I, I could. It was a nice luxury that I had my own, was in control of my own schedule. But going back to work was tough. I was starting a new contract. I had a little bit of a commute on my hands. We had a new nanny who was helping. My wife was back at work as well. And to go from immersed in the day-to-day at home, full-time, sleeping in the room with them, my wife and I would take turns sleeping in the room, to all of a sudden back full-time working was a real shock. And um, a lot to try to manage, especially when I was consulting and hourly billing. There's this tension when you first move from a salaried position to hourly billing where, you know, if you're not billing an hour, you think you're losing money. And there was this constant tension in terms of, uh, uh, you know, should I be billing more? Should I be working more? Should I be doing something else? Should I be trying to work more than 40 some hours a week? Uh, Should I spend time with my kids? That was a really difficult time. The nanny helped us quite a bit um, in terms of the the care for that. But then she got pregnant with twins and uh, had some complications and had to leave us about nine months into it. At the time, we started looking for another nanny. And my wife wasn't sure if we wanted another nanny or if she wanted to uh, just quit work altogether. Because with three, you know, you miss something, you've missed it. Like one of them says something, all of them are talking within a day or two. One of them starts to walk, all of them are walking within a day or two. So it just quickly became an all or nothing kind of scenario with the three of them. And uh, we were able to make it work. And um, over time, my partners and I got the company to a point where we all went on salary and anything over and above what we worked, we just put into a pool and then distributed it as bonuses to ourselves. So it kind of got us out of that an hour worked is money in my pocket kind of mentality, uh, gave ourselves real vacation time. And that helped a lot with the uh, work life balance as well. I think that's an important part with, uh, especially with hourly, but also just in, in general. I mean, I, I know that with my first, and I'm already started to think about it before having my second, you know, the time that you have to take out of your day to, you know, to pump or to do any of that stuff, it's sort of like, uh, it's really stressful to be thinking about, 
especially when you're coming back to work and you're trying to do a really great job, it's, you know, you're sort of like, oh, well, like I had to take that time. So I should work more hours to make up for that. But then you're working more hours and you're sort of like driving yourself over the edge. And, you know, it, it is really, it's difficult to balance. And I think that, um, I know this for myself, but I think that a lot of other parents also put a lot of pressure on themselves because you can't just sort of like hop on later and, you know, catch up on set, like that just becomes more difficult. And so you put a lot of pressure to work a little earlier, work a little later, um, you know, try to like make up those hours by not taking breaks and not doing things like that really at a time in your life when you sort of like need that balance and need that stuff the most. Right. And at the same time, we're also trying to grow the company. So there was a, a fair bit of, you know, work billable time during the day, play with the kids in the afternoon, evening, finally get them to bed, and then uh, spend the evening working on the stuff that the company needs in terms of, uh, you know, marketing and business development. And so it was uh, it was kind of like having three jobs for a while. Yeah. I'm curious what you think has been more difficult or has been easier with triplets. And, you know, I have one right now, but I will have two. And so one thing that I'm also curious about is for JC and Chris, who have more than one, are the things that Dave talks about unique to triplets or um, harder, easier just with having more than one child? Uh, obviously, um, well, we had ours one at a time, uh, <laughs> traditional. <laughs> yeah, no, no premature optimization. No, no. It may be harder in a way because once you get over the hump of all the sleepless nights and stuff, now you're you're kind of smooth sailing, like you said, right now. And you're, you know, we we barely got out of the sleepless nights. My youngest is eight. My oldest is seventeen. So it's been a long time since we haven't had someone that didn't wake up in the middle of the night. Uh, it's been maybe the last year or two years since my daughter wasn't coming in in the middle of the night, waking us up or something. And so it's it's been a lot of years of that. So in a way, I think that's maybe more difficult. But dealing with three, that's a definitely, I mean, that's your, I, I think basically the, the, what you did was, hey, let's take these years that other people spread out and we're going to put all the hardship right. and effort into a more compact you know, we're going to scale uh, parallel scale instead of serial, right? So right. you did I mean, all I, the work. You did all the work that, that people would do for three kids, but you did it in one compressed time uh, time period. So right, you know, it was challenging. But when we were done with diapers, we were done. I know people with three kids that did diapers for ten years, and I can't imagine that. That that's oh, just buddy. A, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's one thing to to have three kids, but you know, there certainly it was an insane time period. But when we were done with diapers, when we were done, when we were done with bottles, we were done. And uh, to tell you some of the stuff we had to do for uh, um, for bottles, we literally had an assembly line in my kitchen of glass bottles that we would run through the dishwasher. We tried breastfeeding for a while, but with three, we just couldn't keep up. So we were doing formula and we couldn't mix it fast enough. So we started to buy the pre-mixed formula. One time the UPS driver was delivering crates of this pre-mixed formula. And to know this story, you need to know a little bit about my neighborhood. Um, I live in a house on the poor side of my neighborhood, but the rich side of my neighborhood has uh, houses with like 20 acres and horses and all this kinds of stuff. And the UPS driver thought she was delivering food for a pony and asked to see it. And we were like, no, we don't have a pony. We just have three kids. And it's uh, amazing. Uh, so, you know, we had this whole assembly line process of bottles and I had even built a little contraption to uh, 
hold a bottle in one of their little bouncy seats. So like I could hold a kid, my wife could hold a kid and the kid could, another kid could still be being fed. So just all kinds of stuff like that in terms of the scaling. Um, it's a problem that we never had the ability to do any kind of hand-me-downs. You know, we needed three of everything. Uh-huh. In fact, once they got old enough to express a preference, we either needed three identical things or three completely different things. And then once they wanted to choose something, we would actually need more than three completely different things because the first kid would have a choice, the second kid would have a choice, and the third one, if they didn't get a choice, they'd be angry. So we'd have to get, you know, like, oh, you want a choice of what shirt you put on here? Four shirts. Pick one. Pick one. Pick one. There's a, a great story to tell about that when we, uh, uh, when they started first grade and we wanted to get them backpacks. We wanted each to have their own backpack, but we were afraid if they all went, they'd all get the same Batman or Pokemon backpack. So my wife and I coordinated. My wife was – and my mom too – my mom stayed at home with two of the kids while I would take one kid and my wife would go to the store ahead of us. So like the first, I walk in with the first kid. He expresses a preference on a backpack. We go and we buy it. I go home, get another kid. Meanwhile, my wife is clearing out all of the backpacks of that version in a cart and taking it to the other side of the store so that when we show up with the next kid, he has a free choice of backpacks, but not of the one that his brother chose. That's pretty so we genius. To get, you know, we were able to get all three kids with different backpacks. But just all the little kinds of logistics like that that were, have been challenging. We have been joined by uh, our other panelist and friend, Andy. Hey, Hello. Andy. <laughs> Sorry, I had, to do twin, I had to do twin bedtime, so <laughs> that's why I'm a little bit late. <laughs> How old are your twins, Andy? Uh, they are nearly five, so we're school age and slightly wild. <laughs> We were just talking about um, what is harder and easier with three. Dave has triplets. So what's harder and easier with multiples? And for sort of folks that have multiple kids, you know, if that's the same with many kids or if it's specific to having like twins or triplets, um, you know, versus sort of just having a handful of kids. And Andy, you have a boy and a girl? Yep, I have the set. So uh, so. No, no chance of us chasing any more at this point. <laughs> and then Dave, Dave has three boys, right? And yep. so Dave, one mentioned was hand me downs, and you know, boys don't really leave too many good hand me downs anyway. I don't think well, we missed out too much there. That's um, probably true. Yeah. You know, they they tear them up quick. Maybe when they're little, uh, you can use that. But once they get about three, <laughs> they're they're just destroying stuff. So uh, there's not a whole lot left there. But one other thing uh, was. I, I really thought the way you, you uh, have talked about how you have figured out to give them their individuality is pretty amazing. Uh, and the teamwork you and your wife do for it to let them, you know, express themselves and not be influenced by their siblings at the same time. Uh, is pretty cool. So that's yeah. uh, that's that's a nice little life hack right there. How you guys have, have managed to do that. You and your wife. That's yeah, the, cool. the individuality part's important to us. Our neighbors have twins, and uh, she's a single mom, and she's also an elementary school teacher. So in order to make her uh, evening workload easier for homework and stuff, she has both of her kids in the same class. And we chose early on. They were all in the same kindergarten class, but once they were in first grade, they all are in their own classroom. So they can have their own circle of friends, their own influence, mm-hmm. you know, their own develop their own personalities, because otherwise we thought that you know, they'd be known as this the little gang of Bach boys. And uh, it's nice to have that kind of individuality. 
and uh, some of you, like uh, Chris, JC, uh, Allison, I see you occasionally at some of our, you know, events in the area like Code and Coffee. And I will often try to bring just one of my kids. We do this thing that we call Daddy Days, where you know, and my my wife does the same thing in reverse. But my wife will stay home with two or do something else with two, and I'll have one on one time with one of them, because I see such a different personality when it's just me and one of my kids as opposed to when it's multiples of them. When it's multiples, they just feed off each other and yes. fight with each other. Yes, they do. Yeah. They do. Absolutely. They do it even when they're not triplets. I mean, my, <laughs> my two oldest, we're always, they're two and a half years apart, and they can be the best of friends and the worst of friends. And usually it's the best of friends. And they do a lot of things together, and they kind of feed off each other a lot. But when they're by themselves, their individual personalities obviously dominate that way but when they're together they kind of blend them and they have a lot of their inside jokes which is great we we think it's great that they get along well and and they 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 play sports together and they do other things together but um they also have their individual friends and they do their, their individual yeah. things but it, it is they do feed off each other and it's it can be a, a cycle that i think your kid will get more out of it if he's by himself with you at these things and if another sibling was there and they distract each other and they kind of go back into what they their comfort zone or what they like to do rather than being there in what they're doing with dad. Right. right. So I think it, I think that's definitely way more effective one on one that way. Now, one benefit of multiples, this was even commented on by like preschool teachers and uh, kindergarten teachers early on, is that our kids were really good early on about sharing things because they always had to share. You know, where other kids would grab a hold of a toy and be like mine. My kids were always willing to share and play with other kids. And uh, uh, it's actually caused a little bit of a problem as they've gotten a little older in that uh, my son Christopher, the middle child of a set of triplets, he is the peacemaker. And he has what we say an overdeveloped sense of fairness. If he perceives something as not fair, he will be the one to stand up and be kind of the, you know, the social justice warrior in fifth grade. And call a teacher out that, you know, hey, you're punishing that kid differently than you punish this kid for something very similar. And uh, I'm I'm kind of proud of him for that. Yeah, I, I have one of those. It's both a blessing and a curse. There's mm-hmm. plenty of times where as a parent, I'm, I'm so proud. And then there's other times I'm just like, kiddo, just let this go. <laughs> it's <is laughs> right, not, right. not helping you. It's not helping anybody else. We refer to that as the fair police. Yeah. Uh, when it's just out of hand and not necessary, but other times I'm like, yeah, it's great. And you can see the inequalities and whatever with maybe how we treat our own children in the, in the home and how come he gets to do this and I don't, or I'm like, well, you're not old enough yet, you know, or whatever. And it's different stages. So that's one thing we do have to deal with is older kids. And I, I'm the oldest of five children. My wife's also the oldest of five children. And I think the parents are usually more strict with the older kids. They have more time and more they haven't been worn down by the children yet i think and so we're we're a little tighter on on like hey you're not supposed to play these video games until you're at least this age and even then you you might not be able to or definitely can't do certain things or you should do these things at this age or you know the stuff that everybody says they should or shouldn't do and then as as you have more kids you realize hey the oldest was fine and he you know he turned out okay the second one is probably okay too and then you get a little more lenient and a little more tired or maybe just worn out and not you realize i can't keep my eight-year-old away from seeing the video games that my oldest kids are playing because we all live in the same house and we share the same space and so she might see stuff that the oldest never did as a little guy because as a parent you could control that and that environment but with teenagers 
and younger ones, you know, there's there's this whole thing where the younger kids, I think, get uh, they they have to grow up a little bit faster. So that's probably one thing that you've been able to manage better with them being the same age. Yeah, I, I wish can, I could say that's true. Um, my kids, <laughs> my kids watch a lot of YouTube. You know, so some of that's by design. You know, they they get home from school and quite a bit of their homework is either on Dreambox or IXL, which is on their computers. So they each have their own laptop and other all hand-me-down stuff. So they spend a lot of screen time, right? Sometimes it's school-related, sometimes it's fun-related. And so they could all get their individual homework done. We move them onto headphones pretty early. So there are times where I see the things that they're watching, and I'm like, hey, I don't want you watching that. And it was early on that I had to be like, okay, I know you know all these words, but you know not to use them, right? So my kids mm-hmm. have quite a vocabulary should they choose to use it, but they know not to. Colorful uh, metaphors? Yeah. Uh, I, I have one. I have that too, so... Uh... Personally, rather than my children, they're only four. (laughs) (laughs) Got to start them early. (laughs) Yeah, and that's another thing. So technology, very different at different ages for your different kids as they're spread out. Your kids kind of come across the technology at the same time. So you said three laptops, for example. Um, My my kids, as they've gone into middle school, we've gotten them a cheap cell phone, more of a feature phone than than a smartphone. And after a year or a year and a half of that, they get sick of it and they save up their money and buy themselves an iPhone. And the two older ones have cell phones and they've bought themselves their own iPhone. Uh, the younger ones are still in grade school, so they don't have a, a cell phone yet. But that's, you know, one of the, the stages or uh, yeah. rites of passage or whatever. Um, they get contact lenses if they want to when they go to middle school. Uh, the three older ones, the boys all wear glasses, but the older ones have switched over to contacts, especially with sports. That helps a lot. Yeah, you know, yeah. one of my kids wears glasses. I hadn't thought about contacts for him yet, but all of mine have uh, iPod touches, and you know, then we have uh, an Eero for our home network, so I can block it out during times of the day. Like you know, the the iPod right. touches just turn off at nine p.m. I don't care if you sneak it into your bedroom; you're going to be limited what you can do with it. And uh, then last year we got uh, a cheap Android phone that you know, should we separate for different reasons. Um, we'll give one of them the phone just so we can stay in touch, but it's not really used for games. In fact, Christopher started texting his girlfriend on it. What? <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned taking the kids, especially one-on-one, to different events. And you mentioned Code and Coffee, which is something that I, I do with my son as well. Yep. And our kids have played together at Code and Coffee. It's worked right. very well. How do you go about finding events or things like that that you drag them along to? Boy, that's a great story because oftentimes lately I've been making events. I uh, <laughs> when when my kids were in kindergarten, I started volunteering at their elementary school with this program called Watchdog Dads. It's an effort to get parents to volunteer in the classroom, and it's you take the day off from work and you spend a day. You know, you're in your kid's classroom a little bit, but you're in every grade at some point. You help referee, you know, a game of dodgeball. Um, I'm, you know, helping to take attendance in some class. I'm helping a student practice their vocabulary words in fourth grade. You just bounce from topic to topic, uh, reading, you know, stories to first graders. It's a great day. I recommend it. And you know, you check out watchdog dads. Yeah. I'm also a watchdog. So it's great. It's a great program. Awesome. So there, when they were in kindergarten, I noticed the school had a pretty decent looking computer lab. So I started to talk to their, what's called the technology resource teacher. And I was kind of saddened to learn that they didn't really teach any code in elementary school. It was all just like a, what I'd call 20th century office worker skills. You know, here, let's make a father's day card, uh, you know, using the paint program or, or take a test or something like that. So 
I talked to them about doing something, you know, with some curriculum and other as a uh, kindergartners, I got some pushback on that. Well, we can't really install anything. We don't have any curriculum. But after that year that the school got to know me and got to know my kids and everything in first grade, I suggested that we use the hour of code curriculum during computer science education week. And we've now done that every year at the elementary school. And the first year I did that when they were in first grade, that got me into volunteering. The principal recommended I join this program called Teals. I started volunteering at the high school level. I'm in the classroom one morning a week or so to help a math teacher teach computer science. And that has changed my life. I've realized that teaching high school kids is my missed calling. I love what I do. I've actually started a nonprofit around it. That's what Loudon Codes is, the Loudon Computer Science Initiative. And I will... Uh, do library events where, you know, I get a bunch of kids together and we play around with Arduinos. I uh, coach high school kids for computer science competitions that they do at universities and uh, just all kinds of stuff like that. I buy uh, my own kids, and I know you do this as well, Chris, um, the little uh, like learning to solder starter kits from places like Adafruit. My kids have built, you know, the little Simon Says game and the little Christmas tree and, and all that kind of stuff. So I will create events for, you know, both at the high school level and the elementary school age, sometimes with my kids, sometimes with a mix of my kids and other parents' kids. Other than that, it's uh, taking them to things like Code and Coffee, finding events in the, you know, local newspaper, things like uh, in the small town I live, we have this uh, kind of roller skating rink. And on the weekends, it's often, you know, like the uh, the, the Loudon Flower Show or the, Lou the Loudon Restaurant Show. And we go to little events there. And uh, we go to we have some playgrounds that are our favorite playgrounds, although they're getting a little older for that. We go to the Air and Space Museum. That was really the first time they ever got to run around without a leash was, uh, you know, the huge open warehouse at the Air and Space out by Dulles Airport. You know, it's it's a challenge finding things. But, you know, you make do you either do it yourself or you find other parents and and build something. So one of the things I wanted to do with my kids and I failed miserably is, is to go to the, the code um, dojo, I think it's called. Uh -huh. It's on the one one uh, weekend, one Saturday morning a month, and they have a pretty good program here. But it's always when we have sports. My kids do sports, you know, all the time. Yeah, and it's always on Saturdays where we're doing sports, and so there's always something else going on that you know we're already committed to. And but that's one thing I've been wanting to take my kids to, especially my daughter. She really likes computer related stuff. My boys like computers but they like them for like you said 20th century stuff uh the older ones learned a little bit of coding they don't like it it's too tedious it's not their thing just fine obviously i'm saddened by it but <laughs> i got over it yeah and, so well my kids know. got into it a lot just because they like to play minecraft and they started playing with redstone and when they saw the similarity to redstone to soldering and building circuits there was a good connection for them there i also showed them stuff that we could do with scratch and, you know, my kid built stuff with one of my kids built stuff with scratch where he's a little cat and watermelons bounce off his head, that kind of thing. So while I'm all for a formal curriculum like that, and I've even created some that my elementary school has run, I'm also a fan of, you know, giving them something that is something they're interested in doing and just giving them free time to do it. There are some great books with that kind of lab work in mind for doing scratch. I, I found Lars was asking specifically, can we do programming and he wanted to do ruby because he knew that's what i did in my day job and i was like if that's what you want to do sure no problem and so we went through and did um 
the the try ruby and and walked through a bunch of the you know very early tutorials and did converting strings to integers and back again and that's that's been a lot of fun it's, it's just like all right no problem we can get into this is the real stuff this is what i do all day long <laughs> i don't know if dave what your wife did for work because i think she's raising kids right now if i'm yeah. if i'm not mistaken yeah. right she's she's definitely busier now than she was at work i'm sure yeah my um, wife has had a, a long and varied career when we got married she had gotten her um, bachelor's degree in fine arts with an emphasis in metalworking she oh, made wow. jewelry and worked in philadelphia grading diamonds for a living and when we got married and she moved down to washington dc there was nothing quite like that in this area so she originally started uh doing temp work with manpower and ended up getting, you know, appropriate certifications for human resources stuff and ended up working for, uh, you know, about a 200-person government consultancy as a benefits administrator. And uh, did that for a number of years before we finally had kids and then tried to go back to it. Um, but then ultimately, when we could make it work where she didn't have to work. With with three kids, it was such a challenge to uh, try to find babysitters, try to find care and help and all that kind of stuff that it just made, you know, economic and, you know, financial sense and, um, you know, as well as just lifestyle sense to have her work at home with the kids. Right. And so, I mean, I've seen, I've seen your whole family together and you all make a great team. To me, it seems like it's the wife that can make it work. I think we as guys kind of are like, <laughs> Certainly. You know, I mean, not, really... as, not as good at it, I don't think, um, you know, uh, but maybe that's just me. And I, cause I know I'm not in anywhere near as capable as my wife is of managing yeah, but, home and the children and everything they have to do. Even, even though I have the same calendar and I can, I can do a lot of it. I miss things here and there. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, I had a big fail this week that I need to talk about at the end of the episode, but we'll get to it. And it has to do with that. My so, wife runs the show. In fact, I feel guilty her not being part of this podcast, which I largely justified because it's about, you know, development careers as well. But she runs the house. She she runs everything to do with the kids. She volunteers at their elementary school um, almost every day. She uh, is here when they get home. She keeps the house organized. She takes them to all their extracurricular events from, you know, they're all in Taekwondo, but then they all do something different from music lessons to Boy Scouts to to baseball, you know, just all of that kind of coordination to keep everything running. Um, I should say my mom is also a big help with that, too. My mom um, lives in an in-law suite. Um, when we built our house years ago, we we expected to have kids, and my dad had passed away, so we built an in-law suite next door for my mom. And she's a big help with the kids. When they get home from school, we put them through a homework rotation where one is with her, one is with my wife, one is with me if I'm available or playing video games if I'm not. And uh, they just rotate through doing their homework with each person. And uh, my mom makes them dinner a few nights a week, which you know really helps my wife keep on top of things as well so we actually have a different situation at home so we've had the twins and since they were like one we've both been remote workers so we've both been in the house so we had a nanny for a while uh, who would take them sort of three days a week and then we would mix and match and have them ourselves Um, and then they were in nursery for a bit now they're at school so we've always both been at home so it's kind of a different situation for us like it's been challenging <laughs> but um it's very different to try and work in that environment as opposed to like one of us go off to work so we we're kind of like a an endlessly adapting river of water of parenting like <laughs> we just we fill in the gaps when the other right. one drops something so it's just a it's been full on flow ever since for us it was kind of a mix of that too my wife and i both worked when we got married and then i was still in school so i was working full-time going to school part-time 
And when, by the time we had our, uh, when we had our first child, she decided she wanted to stay home with him. So that was a big change, a uh, big drop in income, everything. So it was a big adjustment for us, but it worked. And we were young and, you know, just in, I was still in school and working. And so we made it work. Then we had our second child and around the time I finished school and we, we moved uh, across, you know, various states and for a new job in the middle of nowhere. We had no family. We still we live here. We don't have any family around us. So it was a kind of a fresh start, but also very stressful and very difficult for all of us. And I was working outside the homes for the next three years. Our third child was born uh, in October. And that at the end of November, I quit my job. And, and starting that December, I, I started working from home. And I did that for exactly 10 years. And so I was home. My wife was still raising the children. Then we had our daughter during that time. And my wife then decided, hey, I'm going to go back to school. And she went to nursing school and became a nurse right around the time that her daughter started going to school full time. So that we, it timed perfectly where she'd go back to work once the, our youngest was in school all day. So it was kind of this balancing act. But she, she was home with the kids and I was home working. But I was I was here, and so there was this weird thing where the kids didn't know the difference between mom and dad. One is you're allowed to play with one, and the other one's busy. Hmm. Uh, it took a little while, you know, to get used to that, but it, it worked. I mean, so I think everybody can adjust. Every situation is different, but you figure out a way to make it work for you. And and if you work as a team, and then it's gonna be all right. There definitely is always some adjustments, some sacrifice, and some of a little bit of everything. I will say that my husband and I joke that I would be the worst stay-at-home mom ever. Neither one of us want to be uh, stay-at-home parents, and I think I think that's a big part of you know the choice. There's obviously a money component, but there's also a piece of like, does one party not want to be working? And I mean, for us, like we both want to be working. We both enjoy enjoy our jobs and and what we do. But my husband is the one who's much better when he is home for like a full day because we'll switch off for like sick days or snow days or you know things like that. He is definitely the one that. But, you know, like at the end of the day, like the dishes will be clean and like there, you know, there's probably like dinner being prepared and, you know, like all the stuff happens. And I'm like, I'm like lucky to like just get through the day. Like if we can like get through the day and like we're good and like no one's crying, then like everything's fine. Right. But I can guarantee you that like the toys are not cleaned up. There is no dinner started. Like there have been no errands that have been run. Like that's just, um, you know, that's just, although I do, we, we also have different styles. Like if I'm home with my son for the day, we'll go on an adventure. We'll go out, we'll do something. My husband sort of likes to stick closer to home and have a little more like low key days. But I do think, and there's, I think there's like a whole different episode that we're going to, that we're going to end up doing on this in the future. But there is definitely an aspect of mental load because I know that. So a lot of you guys talked about how your wives are the ones that sort of like keep things going and are organized, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I will say that like, while my husband is the one that like, I think is more effective when he like stays home, you know, and has just like has a full day where he's home with our child. I am still the one that's thinking about like, okay, but in two weeks from now, like, you know, Devin needs a haircut and we need to make sure to like RCP for that birthday party. And do we have presents yet for like that thing that's coming up and, uh, you know, sort of that bigger picture, but I also work full time. So I think there's some, some more there to discuss. 
Yeah, I would, yeah, I would and, definitely say my wife is better at that than I am. And I think one of the two, and if you, if you have a spouse, one of you is going to be better at it than the other. But I mean, she's way more organized than I've ever been. And so that's a, definitely a big blessing in our lives because otherwise, who knows where it would be. <laughs> yeah. And for us, you know, it was a conscious decision. She had gone back to work and to, uh, I hate to use the term stay at home mom because it is a full time job running our house. With three of the same age, there's always something happening. There's always something going on. On the flip side of that, I hate, I hate, hate, hate when people say something like, oh, are you babysitting your kids today? Regards <laughs> to me as a dad. I'm, no, I'm, I'm parenting. I'm not babysitting exactly. my own kids. You know, my, my wife is overwhelmed with all the stuff that has to happen here at the house. In addition, she takes care of her own mom, who's in a nursing home, trying to sell a house that's up in Pennsylvania when we live in Virginia, and just a lot to deal with. So there are nights, you know, a, a night or two a week, I make dinner for the boys. Um, I help with homework as much as I can. I will take them so she can have time on an evening to go out with friends. And, uh, you know, it's definitely, a, you know, a partnership that makes this possible. And, uh, you know, she's working. It's just in facility of keeping the house running because it couldn't happen without some third party if we both had a full-time job. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's invaluable what they do. I mean, it's just... It's just so much, so much going on. So one thing I, I wanted to, uh, for you to tell us, cause I know you do this and you're, you, you've told us some really good stories about how you teach your kids and how oh, you have these uh, running gags. Notorious. With them. And as, as, as they've gotten older, how these have changed too. So one of those is my parenting fail. I'll save that for the end. But, um, many of you, since so many of uh, the, the people on this panel, we know each other from events like Ruby D camp. Uh, I'll tell the one in relation to Ruby D camp. When my kids were about three, we got, a, a, I was actually hand me down from a neighbor, but this really beautiful wooden swing set and we were out playing on it and I couldn't get them in at night. And I was worried that they wouldn't come in at night or they'd want to leave out, you know, in the middle of the night and come outside and play on the swing set. So I told them we had to go inside because the zombies would come out. And they were like, what are zombies? So I told them what zombies were. And, you know, that went on for a few weeks. But eventually Daniel was like, I doubt you, daddy, just because I teased him so much about stuff at three. He's doubting me. So I showed them clips from The Walking Dead and some YouTube videos. And so now they think zombies are real. And to this day, they're not quite sure. They're 10 now. They're not sure if zombies are real or not. The best part is that Evan light at ruby d camp has worked the whole zombie story into the mythology of ruby d camp in that my kids think that ruby d camp is an event where all my zombie hunter friends get together in the middle of the woods and and uh plan zombie hunting events part of that is because they saw a picture of evan once on twitter where his eyes were bloodshot and i made up this story about how evan is the only person to have ever to have ever survived being bitten by a zombie <laughs> but he requires a blood transfusion every month Oh, wow. <laughs> I did not tease. know that part of the story. Yeah. That's another, awesome. Uh, another great tease, and this one came up just recently. Uh, when they were about four, they got addicted to gummy bears. And one Saturday morning at about 6 a.m., they woke us up saying, can we have some gummy bears? My wife and I were furious, but I was like, I'll handle this. I go downstairs. I give them the bag of gummy bears, go to YouTube, look up a video of a building being demolished. And I said, oh, no, the gummy bear factory blew up. So they saw this video and they were convinced that the gummy bear factory blew up. We went to the store. We all bought our last bag of gummy bears at the grocery store. And then much like the backpack story, a couple of times I would send my mom to the grocery store to take all the gummy candies and hide them, you know, go to the other side of the store with them in a cart. We'd come in and those, where all the gummy candies were was blank. So they were convinced that gummy candies, you could no longer get them. 
That but is then, a commitment. <laughs> one, wow. one day, one day going up the toll road through Reston when they were building the Silver Line Metro, they were convinced themselves that one of these buildings that was being built was the new gummy bear factory. So they think that like this building in the middle of Reston is where gummy bears are made now. <laughs> well, that's important. That back on the shelves. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Wait, I am just is, not I'm sure saying. I believe a single thing you've said for the last half an hour. Like, you could have just been this. You might not even have children. I don't. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> when, do you, when do you hear the parenting fail story? <laughs> well, we've met the children, and so we can vouch for that. And we can vouch for some of these stories. I really was hoping you would come up with a zombie story. You also have a. Don't you have a motion camera in, in at night uh, out there somewhere? If I remember right. Oh yeah, we, we actually haven't done this yet. Um, but I have a uh, you know we live on three acres, and I have a nature cam that gets deer and foxes and stuff in our yard. And um, you know I mentioned that I run the nonprofit and I teach high school. One of my high school students who is in drama wants to come by one night with a bunch of his you know drama geeks in high school dressed up as zombies and just get like a thirty second snippet on my video camera. Of them walking by as zombies, so I can show the boys. Look, zombies have been around. Gosh. <laughs> you know, and I All feel right. guilty about the whole Santa Claus thing. Jeez. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> With that, I think that we should move into our parenting wins and fails for the week. Who wants to start? I can. I didn't do one the last couple of weeks, so I definitely have a big fail. I have multiples this week, actually. But I, I'm going to go with one. So Monday, the kids were out of school. It was a scheduled day off. They've been off in the last two days as well because of uh, weather. But uh, I left work a little early, decided I'm going to take my kids to go see Black Panther. They wanted to see it. And uh, over the weekend, we were at a wrestling tournament, Friday and Saturday. And on Sunday, we don't go to the movies and stuff. So I figured Monday afternoon, kids are home. My wife was asleep. Because she had worked the night before. She's, she works nights as an ICU nurse. And so she was asleep. I'm like, take the kids out. And that way she can sleep a little longer, et cetera. So we, we went to the 4 o'clock show. Uh, and it was great. We enjoyed it. We had a good time. And once the movie was over, it was about 6.30. We, you know, we look at our phones. And my wife has been trying to reach us and text us. And you know, just frantically trying to get a hold of us. Where are you? Why aren't you answering? Please, somebody, whatever. Turns out my daughter... Her last basketball game was on Saturday, and they had their pizza party on Monday that I had taken my wife uh, on the way back from some other event. We'd gone by and reserved a spot at this pizza place at a pizza buffet, and and it was supposed to be uh, Monday. And I totally forgot about it. It was on the calendar. I looked at the calendar. I looked at the wrong week. (laughs) And so I took them. We all silenced our phones in the movie theater, right? We silenced our phones right at about 3.50. She woke up late because my daughter had left the fo- her phone out of her out of my wife's out of our bedroom here, and 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 she had moved it out to another another room. So my wife woke up a little bit late. By the time she texted us, our phones were silent, and so my daughter missed her pizza party with her friends because she was at a movie with her brothers and dad who wanted to go see this movie, even though she didn't really care about it. And so that was my big fail as a dad, making her miss her party for her basketball team and. I could tell she was super disappointed and she was trying so hard not to cry when she found out about it. And I just felt like, I'm like, wow, I was trying to do something fun and it totally backfired. <laughs> and I still feel terrible about it, but she, she was nice and she got over it and, and was like, you know, it's okay, whatever. But I mean, she was definitely disappointed. That's a big fail on my part. This is the trouble with Wakanda. There's no phone signal in Wakanda. That's the issue, That's right? True. <laughs> <laughs> so they have that shield around it. So it's, it's hard. 
All right, I can I can do. We're not you know not a genius, but uh, so we just we have a thing. I don't know if you guys have. We have half term, which is like a week off in the middle of a school term, mm-hmm. um, just to make the holidays more interesting. And all of our childcare arrangements that we normally have, you know, during the weeks, like Joe's dad helps a bit, and uh, we have a childminder for a couple of afternoons. It all just fell apart for the last ten days, but we survived, and uh, we still have both children. We both still have jobs. It turns out you can really juggle if you put your mind to it. Also, uh, also go and see Coco. It absolutely ruined me. Um, that was really good. Um, went saw that with the kids. Uh, it was really good. Um, so yeah, you know, just general survival of parenting. Hooray for us! Yeah, survival uh, is always a win. <laughs> it's like, absolutely. I have a fail. I am very pregnant, and nights and sleeping and whatnot are just, you know, they're just becoming, it's becoming more and more uncomfortable. And I am waking up tired and I'm the one that, that always does preschool drop off. And so two, not two mornings ago, yesterday morning, feels like it was forever ago. Yesterday morning, getting ready for preschool and my son was just, he just had no interest in listening. He was like, he's running around. He like, my husband had left out the vacuum cleaner. So he was taking off the attachments to the vacuum cleaner. And like, you know, I was like, Devin, you have to pick out your clothes and you have to get dressed. But mommy, I am busy. I am vacuuming. It's like, anyway, so after a couple of minutes, I just yelled at him. I was like, Get over here right now. Go pick out your, you know, like the real strict parent, like my patient, like I'm done. I have no more patience. I'm going to yell at you. And like, it is what it is. And that for me is like such a huge fail because I know that I'm going to have a newborn soon. And when I have a newborn, like I'm going to be even more sleep deprived. I'm going to have less patience. He's going to have less attention. Uh, You know, so I already sort of like, I know that that's coming. And so I feel like in this last little bit where it's just he and I in the morning, like I just feel like I should just have more patience and try to like be more calm and like not lose my temper with him. And, you know, and and then because of all like the emotions and the hormones then I tear up because I'm like, oh, am I paying enough attention to him in this last little bit before we have another child? And it's like this whole like pregnant mom spiral that I end up going down. So it felt like a big fail because just lost, lost my patience and yelled at him. And I'm really trying in sort of like this last stretch to like be really patient, be really understanding and like be really good with him, you know, especially in the mornings, which are difficult for, I think are difficult for every parent in general. So that's, that's my fail for the week. Alison, you are not <laughs> failing. That is mornings. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine. Yes, absolutely. And you're, you're growing a human. None of us have done that. You're, you're cool. Just feels so bad. It's like, Sounds like a morning. <laughs> That's correct. It feels bad. (laughs) Well, so if we were doing this in a couple weeks, I would hope to have a parenting win because I recently found an iOS app called Moment that lets you monitor your kids' app usage on their phones. And I'm researching that right now to see if it can really, you know, lock them out of stuff that I want them to be for, you know, for so many hours a day. But I'll share a, a, a parenting fail that actually goes back to the end of last year, on the last day last year, and I'll try to keep this nameless because it would otherwise embarrass one of my sons, um, had uh, appendicitis. He was uh, the, the, on 
the 29th of December, he went into the hospital late at night. And on the 30th, they did surgery um, to remove his appendix. About a, And he was home. He was fine, you know, a little bit re- recuperating. Then about a week later, another one of my sons was complaining about exactly the same problem. His belly hurt. He didn't feel well. And my wife and I want, not wanting to take any chances, um, my wife took him to the ER as I stayed home with the other two. And my third son, who was now, you know, symptom-free but worried, both about his brother going back to the hospital or another brother going to the hospital and whether he was going to get it, He's like, is appendicitis catching? And I get up my iPad and I'm like, okay, let me see. And I goes, well, it's not catching, but it says here that it runs in families. Oh, oh, and look, triplets are more likely to get it. Oh, but look, it says here that you can help prevent appendicitis if you keep your insides moving. And one of the ways you can do that is to stick your thumb up your butt and wiggle it around a bunch. And he said, oh, good, because I do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's it started as a complete trying to tease my kid over something and it was a complete turnaround on me i, I still don't know if he was teasing me back or if he was all serious about that now you know because the way i laughed if you talk to him he says he was teasing me back but i'm not so sure wow that's amazing who's <laughs> teasing who yeah i think they're on to you dave yeah all right. So before we end, Dave, I was wondering if you could just tell folks where people can find you. Um, sure. The The first thing is that I'm on Twitter at, at B-O-K-M-A-N-N. It's a uh, weird spelling of my last name slash nickname that's available on everywhere. You can find me, you know, uh, GitHub, Skype, Twitter with B-O-K-M-A-N-N just about everywhere. And uh, I'd love to chat with people about parenting and K-12 computer science education uh, in relation to our career, all that kind of stuff. And with that in mind, you can also check out my nonprofit at loudencodes.org. Loudon is spelled L-O-U-D-O-U-N, then C-O-D-E-S dot org. You can find more about the uh, curriculum I build for elementary through high school students there. And we'll stick that in the show notes as well. Great. Thank you so much. And before we end, I also want to remind listeners that um, we would love to give you our uh, solicited or unsolicited advice on any questions that you have. So if you have a parenting question or something that you want us to talk about, um, feel free to email panel at parentdrivendevelopment.com and we would love to read your question or concern um, on air and chat about it. So Dave, thanks again so much for joining us. And listeners, thanks for listening.